everybody. Welcome to another Prague Report uh, podcast, a, a sort of a different special episode we like to do every once in a while. You'll notice the title, When Hair Metal Went Prague. Uh, you know, it's sort of <laughs> a loose title here. Joining me is my good friend Kyle Graves, um, and we'll get into why we uh, decided to do this one. So uh, I, I think if you follow the podcast and have seen some of the stuff we've covered before, we throw in bands like Def Leppard. Obviously, we've done a number of times. Uh, even bands like Winger and, um, uh, you know, Queensryche is sort of on the border. And, you know, we've talked about Whitesnake and I, I don't know, different bands from time to time. Um, you know, Kyle and I both grew up in an era where all these bands, late 80s to uh, mid 90s, sort of that era there, even when grunge was kind of taken over, there's still still some stuff coming out. Uh, that whole period of about 10 years was a very key period in my musical uh, upbringing and, and, and in Kyle's yep. as well. It's what dominated radio. It's what dominated MTV. It's when we were in high school entering college, those years where you're uh, really into music. So while, yes, uh, we love Prague. Yes, we love our metal. Uh, you know, we love this stuff. But, but the thing is, is that uh, the hair metal tag, which we used here because it is what it is, but uh, it's made a lot of these bands have a bad negative connotation, I guess, you know, over the years. And um, even the, the satellite radio station, uh, Hair Nation is, is, you know, that's what it's just what, you know, these bands by, unfortunately for them. But, um, you know, I've always believed that if you threw out some of the cheesy singles that were on MTV and, and got rid of the hairspray and, and the power ballads underneath that was one amazing musicianship. These guys were all awesome musicians. Some of the best guitar players still to this day, amazing yep. singers. You don't get singers like these singers anymore. And um, uh, sometimes good production, sometimes not great, but, um, but also you got really great, interesting songwriting in many cases, songs that were, on the B side of the, the record that weren't singles that were longer tracks that, you know, stuff like that. So that's what we're going to do here is revisit uh, a few selections from that era uh, songs that we think are more on the proggy side. Um, Kyle, I'll let you have the, the floor on what, uh, what you think about, about this. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're, we all have prog friends and I think what, is cool about the prog community is that we are all pretty open-minded. You know what I mean? There's, it's not just, you, you only listen to Genesis and yes. And you know, King Crimson, but just like us, people have grown up with lots of different types of music. I will on any given day, listen to a jazz record, listen to a classical record, listen to new age, whatever. And, you know, it's kind of like what you said, we both came up in the eighties and nineties where this stuff was just everywhere. I mean, this was what mu popular music was. If you look at, Somebody posted one of those things on Facebook the other day, uh, like the Billboard 1987, you know, top 20 chart. And you're just like, man, it was Bon Jovi. It was Def Leppard. It was Rad. It was Poison. It was Motley Cruz, all this stuff, you know. Um, and that's what was was music. It was kind of become hip hop, you know, these days and, and pop music and stuff. But um, I think it's cool that we're that we're touching on this stuff, because I think there's a lot of people that are into Prague that will probably relate to this, that probably have a wider spectrum of taste like we do yeah, and then you're gonna have like the you know the the the, the simpsons comic book guy who's gonna be just like no it's got to be it's got to be prog and you know what I mean? <laughs> right <laughs> if it's not close to the edge it's not prog it's like oh, yeah so. uh, to me there's there's always prog was almost kind of in the middle right and then you had on one hand, you had the parts where then it got heavier and you had the metal side. So, so you right. want to listen to Pantera, Metallica, whatever. And then you had sort of the, the hair metal side, which was prog. It was good playing, which was always what kept me interested. But then you also had a poppy element with like hooks and stuff. And then, and then on another sort of corner, you have the jellyfish, ELO, super tramp, you know, right. which was interesting pop music. So to me, it's all. There's a Venn diagram in there where it all kind of intersects. Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Um, so I, I love this stuff. And in many ways, man, secretly, like hair metal prog, which is like its own unique. This is what this, this <laughs> podcast is. Hair metal prog is like some of my all time favorite music for real. I love this stuff. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. So what, what we did was between Kyle and myself, we picked 13 songs, 13 different bands. 
And uh, yeah, we're going to play about a minute or so as we've done before in previous podcasts. Hopefully nothing gets blocked. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. And then we'll just, uh, you know, have a little fun with it. Um, cool. So let me go cool. ahead and move us over here a little bit and bring up the screen. Um, okay. So first up, uh, I'll kick this off. Um, this is a band that not many people know about. They're Canadian. Harem Scarum, admittedly one of the worst band names of all time. And would right bit. away make you say, I never want to listen to this band. <laughs> um, but funny enough, I'll never forget this. I was working at a, a, a record distributor a long time ago. And uh, somebody knew that I liked Dream Theater and Spock's Beard. And this guy handed me Harem Scarum and he said, you're going to love this. Trust me. And I went, okay. And man, 20 years later, I've bought 15 of their albums one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, basically, uh, if you if you like extreme porno graffiti three sides era, that's what these guys are essentially. Very vocal oriented. The guitar player is like Nuno Light, one of the best guitar players you'll ever hear oh. that no one's ever heard of. Pete Lesperance. I was gonna say what? Name. What's his name? What is it? Pete Lesperance. I think that's how you okay. say the last, yep. the last name. Um, Don't know. The it. Singer is Harry Hess. Dead ringer for Gary Sharon, not gonna lie. Um, and uh, yeah, man, they're awesome. They're as consistent as anything. Every couple of years, they put out a new record, 10 to 12 songs, four or five minute songs, great playing. I just love them. Uh, this album, which I think was their third record, uh, Voice of Reason, uh, their first and second one, really going back a ways in the 90s, were their two biggest ones that had maybe a video on MTV. Outside of that, they've been pretty much Japan, Europe, Canada, you know, that whole thing. Um, and a lot of the records don't even get released in America. I think lately, the last few, they've been on Frontiers, so they, they have have had a bit more circulation. Um, but they have a crap ton of records. And um, yeah, this one is the heaviest, proggiest one, Voice of Reason. This is the title track, opening track from it. One of the baddest opening guitarists ever. And uh, yeah, so we'll play a little bit of this. Now, yeah, that's a the, cool song. Yeah, we didn't get to the guitar playing, but we're only so much time in the world. But man, he shreds like no one's business. So, yeah, this is a band that that I'm not familiar with. Like you said, man, I think I've, I'm certainly familiar with the name. I've been hearing the name for 20 years, and it's just one of those bands I just never checked out. There's so many bands out there, yeah. um, you know. But it definitely, I like that song you sent that to me. It's got kind of a King's Xy, you know, vibe. There's yeah. some really cool like um, vocal harmonies, very Beatle Beatlesy. Kind of thing but yeah that's a that's a cool i'm definitely gonna check these guys out now that you've you know turned me on to them yeah, we've yeah, talked a little bit there's a band there's a band sorry, called pretty maids out of denmark yes that, yeah uh, not not off not far off stylistically yeah. a little bit yeah um yeah yeah, yeah. They, they write good hooks that's the, the the cool thing about both bands um the other album i would say uh, if you want to see them really pull off their porno graffiti moment is the album that came out before this one called mood swings which um is uh is really really cool this album came out in 95 so really sort of on the end of mm. really on the end of the hair metal thing um so we were just getting in there um okay good yeah you, you don't get much more uh 
more hair metal than the down yeah. the, the guys in the white leather fringe you know um i was never really a big fan to be honest with you it was a little all a little too cheesy for me mm-hmm. um right down to the you know the cherry pie euphem- euphemisms and you know all the sexual innuendo stuff it was just like okay we get it um i, I did like uncle tom's cabin i thought that was a cool you know it ca- had a little bit of a bite to it gave you a little bit of a history lesson you know um, but their third album, this came out in 92, it's called Dog Eat Dog. And uh, I pretty much kind of blew it off, wasn't going to listen to it. And then I started working for Sony at the time, and that was their label. And this record is way heavier. They toned down all the hair and makeup and all that glammy, you know, hair metal look. And the song uh, that I picked on here is called April 2031. Really cool kind of post-apocalyptic eerie haunting vibe about how we've destroyed the earth um you know and it's got the the lyrics really kind of make you think so if anybody you know as as you guys go back and listen to this and and maybe pull it up or if we put together a playlist um check out the lyric because it's very specific on how like there's a nuclear ring around the moon and uh, i hope the radiation doesn't make me sick tonight it's just kind of a cool story but um and you and I were talking a little bit about this, Roy. It may not be the most progressive song ever, but certainly for a band like Warren, who wore all that, the cringy fringe, um, it's pretty progressive. Yeah. And I think the the vocal, whatever effect they put on Janie Lane's voice, it, it, it kind of makes it sound real haunting. And maybe that's why I'm thinking it's progressive. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember it this. It takes on a journey. I remember this one when it came out being, being their heavy record. And I may have checked out a song or two, but I really never dug got into this one uh to be honest but i wasn't really that big of a fan there was some of the hair metal stuff that was it just crossed over into too too much for me which i think you agree like and warrant was kind of one of those bands where it was a little too hokey except i will say uncle uncle tom's cabin like you were saying and mr rainmaker from the cherry pie record oh forgot about that yeah that's badass songs those were really really good um, all right, so let's check this one out for a little bit. I skipped a little bit uh, ahead on this one. The Yeah, that part's badass. I, I, I do think that's pretty cool. Right yeah, I think a lot of the that. bands that we're talking, what we're talking about, because how, how old are you, Roy? You're a couple years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, you so, want an exact number? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm 52 and you're... Uh, four, I'm 48. Uh, 40, okay. So, yeah, I got I got four years on you. Um, growing up in the 80s, um, most of the bands that we're talking about, you know, were probably eight to 10 years older than we were right 80s and early 90s yeah and so you figure they came up in the 70s when prog rock was a thing you know like the 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 influences that they had that heard on the radio so it's it's not altogether surprising that a lot of these bands we're talking about even though they were hair metal bands and they had a whole look and a sound and everything right that they would be influenced by a lot of the prog rock stuff so yeah anyway. yeah no totally and and playing the guitar you they every one of these bands started with First, we get a good guitar player. Then we get a good singer. Every one of these yep. bands had at least those two things. And that, man, that part's lost. Like, yeah. In, yeah. thankfully, in the prog world that we listen to, it's not. But generally speaking, not, not important anymore, which is kind of lame. Yep. Um, all right. So moving on to, I mean, this one's amazing. Um, so uh, Bonham. Uh, I I don't know how many people remember that Jason Bonham, son of John Bonham, had a band in the very late 80s, uh, a couple of records, um, really good records. The first one, uh, The Disregard of Timekeeping. If we make any mistakes, for, apologize. Uh, we don't have <laughs> all the notes on everything. So, so, But generally, we have an idea of all these records. This one came out in 89. 
And uh, I love this one, man. From the minute I first heard this song when it came out, I remember I getting my I was blown away because it sounded massive. The drum sound that he had was amazing. And uh, uh, I mean, they were really copying Cashmere on this song, like heavy and the singers trying to be Robert Plant. I mean, they don't make any apologies about it, but <laughs> but it was really good. And this is still one of my favorite songs from that era. The album had a lot of great moments. Uh, a notable, interesting thing is Trevor Rabin is a, is a guest on one of the songs, one of the other songs in this album. Uh, I think doing back really? vocals inexplicably for wow. some reason. Um, Random, man. Yeah. But uh, no, killer record. Uh, and uh, yeah, good song. So I, I skipped a little bit on this one as well. Um, let's see. Where do we go to on this one? Jason Bottom looks so different now. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Love that part. That part's so good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Song. It's a, it's a, this is a great song. I remember thinking, certainly, the, you know, the whole Zeppelin thing is just so over the top obvious, you know, but even his big bonzo drum sound, you know, the drum sounds so massive. Um, but I remember thinking even more than sounding like Zeppelin, it sounded like Robert, solo Robert Plant stuff that was coming out in the late 80s. That too, yeah. Stuff like, like uh, Now and Zen and Fate of Nations. I love those records. Mm. And that's kind of, that, that's what this reminded me of a, a little bit more. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, you can't you, you can't blame him for for kind of picking up where dad left off, you know. Right. Totally. Yep. Uh, OK, uh, let's uh, go ahead and go to the next one, um, which was let's see what we got here. Blue Murder. Blue Murder. Valley of the yeah, Kings. Yeah. I've I have always been a big Sykes guy. A lot of people, if you don't know, uh, he was obviously in Whitesnake before. Uh, he was in Tigers of Pantang. He was in Thin Lizzy. The guy's an amazingly talented musician. Um, and the thing with Whitesnake, you know, some people know, a lot of people don't know. He wrote all those huge songs that are still on the radio, that are in Geico commercials. And, yeah. you know, here I go again. And, you know, all the, all those big Whitesnake songs that we all know and love. John Sykes wrote those with David Coverdale and then got booted from the band. <laughs> So right. uh, you had uh, Adrian Vandenberg, Vivian Campbell, Steve Vai came later, maybe on the second record after that. Um, mm -hmm. But you had all these these guitar players who got MTV famous on the back on the back of, of John Sykes' songs. Um, so I'm sure there was a bit of bitterness there. So to uh, combat that a little bit, he puts together Blue Murder with um, Carmine uh, Apathy. Is it Carmine? Carmine or no? Yeah, it's Carmine. Carmine. I always get those two confused. Carmine and um, and uh, Tony, Franklin. Tony Franklin. Yeah, amazing. One of the best bass, bass players, players ever. Good gracious! Every time you hear him, he plays fretless electric and just amazing. Um, but talk about you know hair metal. Like Tony Franklin's hair yeah. was like this mohawk thing. It was like huge. It was like a bouffant mixed with a mohawk. Um, nobody had that hair. Like that was just unique to Tony. Well, in this video, Sykes has, has a nice one going too. It's hilarious. Huge, massive hair. <laughs> I mean, he, he was a hair farmer, you know, like he's upside down with, with moose and, and, and but, hairspray and all that stuff. But man, you know, this album was like, well, I remember when this one came out, it was like one of the really revered, like serious hair metal records, you know, like yes. for the real musicians that, that right. weren't singing about girls and like, you know, it, it rocked. I mean, and then it had that song jelly roll, which is like the best 
what a cool yeah. song. Yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah. There was so much more depth to that. They had the look, they had the whole hair metal thing going on, but there was so much more depth to these songs. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. So uh, I think most people that watch the Prague Report know that a bunch of us are, are pretty friendly with uh, with Mike Portnoy. Um, and so about 12, 12, 13 years ago, um, I was texting him about a John Sykes song. It was on one of his solo records uh, called uh, Don't Say Goodbye. It was all about John Lennon. And obviously, Portland is a huge Beatles guy. So I'm texting him saying, hey, have you ever heard this song? It's a great song. And he replied back and said, Shh, I'm putting together a new band with John Sykes. And I was like, yes, you got him off the couch. You got like he hadn't been heard of in a long time. Right. Um, and obviously, that never went anywhere, as we all know. It became the, uh, became just, the Winery Dogs. couldn't get off the couch. It became the Winery Dogs, which is great. Love those guys. Love what they've become. But there's always that sense of like, what could Valley of the Kings, John Sykes, Blue Murder, you know, that kind of progressive side of him and yeah. Mike Portnoy come yeah, up with together. Yeah, because he's an amazing songwriter and player. The second Blue Murder record, uh, what was it called? Nothing But Trouble. Um, That's it. Was, was a sort of a hodgepodge, right? It was like half yeah. of it, half of it's amazing. And then half yep. of it is not great at all. Nope. It was a weird nope. record. <laughs> Um, but Funny the good stuff on there is real is great. It, it wasn't oh, even it didn't even sound like this Blue Murder album. It was it was almost him right. solo with some other guys, and yes, yeah, right. right. But but it's worth checking out if you like this stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, Blue Murder is it, this is one of those legendary records from our, from that era for sure. And it was a good call by you to to add this one. Uh, let's check this out. such a such a recognizable guitar sound too you know yeah you knew it was him right away he is awesome yeah Yeah. that's god's good stuff um all right i these are sort of in a getting more proggy as they go order but not specifically we're not ranking them or anything uh but we i think we left maybe the more real proggy stuff towards the end of this so um all right i am up and my next one is uh msg uh, Macaulay, but the Macaulay Shanker group with um, so it's Michael Shankar. Nice shirt. Wow. How about how about that? There you go. Yeah, All that out of the back of the back wow. of the closet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so obviously legendary guitar player Michael Shanker. Um, he had the band MSG for years before this, but then he reformed it in an offshoot with uh, singer Robin Macaulay, who I don't know where he came from before this, to be honest. This was the first time I had heard of Robin McCauley. Do you know where he was from before? So he was uh, kind of a journeyman. He'd been in a bunch of different projects and stuff. But he, the, the thing that I remember hearing him, he was this group called the Far Corporation. Hmm. And it was the guy who put together Millie Vanilli. That's what <laughs> it was in that whole, that whole scandal with lip syncing. They right. did a cover of... Stairway to Heaven. Okay. That sounds vaguely so familiar. So bizarre. Yeah, yeah it was so bizarre. Familiar. I met I met Robin years later and I talked to him about it and he kind of pulled me aside and was like, they paid me so much money to do that. I couldn't say no. <laughs> but yeah, that's the only thing I remember Robin doing before MSG came. We got the gig in MSG. Yeah, I, I love this guy's voice. I think he's one of the best singers from that era. He was awesome. Um, still sounds great. He put out a couple of solo records recently and he, he did this band Black Swan with Red Beach and, uh, the guy can still sing. Um, yeah, I mean, not too much of the stuff these guys were doing was proggy. It was in that similar kind of white snake, uh, Bonham-ish kind of stuff, but with shredding like crazy. Cause Michael Shanker is a badass. Um, but, uh, this was their third album and it had this really cool 
epic acoustic track at the end, which was awesome with all this Spanish guitar and all this stuff. And I always dug this one a lot. Um, but another one of my favorite bands from there. I can I can put on the first MSG album, this this MSG album, anytime and just be totally uh, entertained. I just I love it. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of any time, uh, quote unquote, their big single <laughs> off the second record, which is also a really good song. Um, yeah. That was that would be one of my top power ballads from from that era uh, for sure. So let's see. How do I get to? Oh, there it is. All right. Let's check this out. I can't sleep alone anymore. Need someone here with me. All I ever want. All the guitars going around, the panning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I saw that tour. Did you happen to see that tour? I don't think I ever saw them live, no, sadly. In 92, they did uh, an unplugged tour. And I mean, it's one of those like, I, you know, just like you've seen a million concerts being in the music business for a long time. Um, it stands out. It was two. It was two guitar players and Robin. That was it. No percussion, no bass. It was obviously Schenker and a guy named Spencer Sircombe. Sircombe, I think his name was. He was from Shark Island. You remember Shark Island? Do yes. Contraband. Another sort of. Yeah, exactly. Contraband too. Yeah, <laughs> another sort of hair metal band. I have a funny um, story Spencer about Contraband playing... that I will tell you after this. Okay. Well, Spencer was playing twelve string uh, acoustic, which I, I love a good twelve string. Man, it's just such a, a depth to that sound. And then Schenker was doing his thing and Robin's voice. And for an all acoustic show, the word that anytime I think about that show, the word that comes to my mind is electric. There was like an electricity in the air. And they put it out. It's funny. I found this the other day. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, unplugged live. And look at that. Look at that price look right that there. Price. Kids. My goodness. Thirty-five dollars because it only came out in Japan. So I had to import it from Japan. This was in '92, '93. So you know, no internet, no Amazon, all that kind of stuff. So like it was a mail order catalog or something. So I'm sure I paid thirty-five dollars at the time plus shipping from Japan. But I love it's like well, my favorite version. I'm going to need you to song, send me so. that, my friend. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but going back to Shark Island, so uh, before really, you know, now every day there's a new supergroup. But back then in uh, right eighty nine ninety, there was a quote unquote supergroup, which was um, Michael Shanker. Let's see if I can remember the people. Michael Shanker was on guitar. Tracy Guns was the other guitar player. The That's bassist right. from Vixen. I don't remember her name. Oh my gosh. And the that. drummer was Bobby Blotzer. Is that right? Yep. Yep. That's from right. Rat. And the singer, yep. don't know his name, was the guy from Shark Island, which is the first time I'd ever heard of the band Shark Island because they weren't really one of the famous bands or anything. Right. But anyway, right. so there was a tour uh, where they played. It was like, uh, it was a, uh, it was Rat, Shark Island, Bang Tango, and Ooh. one other band. Don't remember who the other band was. And Rat was the, obviously the headliner because they were really big at the time. And uh, I think the second band was maybe this con contraband with, with the, the thing. And so we went to go see this show. And the contraband comes on. They start playing their first song. The singer's mic isn't working. He's like yelling at everybody. Singer's mic isn't working. The middle of the band's playing. He, Richard Black. His name is Richard Black. Rick, that's it. Correct. And... Uh, <laughs> He, after about two minutes in the song, he's frustrated. He throws the mic down, walks off stage, band's fi band finishes the song, end of the set, done. Wow, really? He had he was finished, 
little prima donna, mind. little Axl Rose action there. Wow. And then Rat comes on and that was it. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So, yeah. This is funny, man. We're really geeking out. Okay. Let's move yep. on. Um, <laughs> oh, this is uh, one of your favorites. All right. White Lion. Um, White Lights Lion. and Thunder. Great song. Um, definitely hair farmers. You know, you're talking about a lead singer who was just, you couldn't get more gorgeous. You know what I mean? Like all the girls. Basically a woman. Out. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. He was a, he was a beautiful man. Let's say, <laughs> let, 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 let's be honest. Um, but the, the, the frosted tips, I just remembered the very first video was like this golden God with these frosted tips on his hair. I actually saw Mike, his name's Mike Tramp. Uh, I saw him about a month ago at a little club here in LA. Um, and it's cool. I mean, he looks good. He's, he's aged well. He's in his early 60s. Uh, shorter hair, but, you know, kind of shaggy. Still good shape. His voice sounds good. He was doing all the white line and stuff. But yeah. um, this song, again, there's not a lot of depth to a lot of the hair metal stuff. But this, was, this song was different. It's almost like eight, seven or eight minutes long, maybe. Um, very Zeppelin-esque. You know, kind of has this epic thing going on. And to me, it was like their version of ebony and ivory or imagine or something you know john lennon was like you know don't worry about all the divisions we're more alike than we're different you mean lyrically not Sound. musically it's not like lyrically no exactly <laughs> yeah 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 no 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 definitely lyrically like there's there's martin luther king jr quotes in there you know from i have a dream and so it was their attempt to be uh cerebral you know to be yeah, yeah for sure aware, i think yeah um, i mean cool. this it's, was it's a uh, great song this album was their proggy album. This is where they tried yeah. to be like more serious musicians and show people, yeah. Hey, we can write beyond, you know, weight and all that stuff. Um, never, it was, it never really took off. I think this was sort of almost the end of that era and no one still, no one yeah. cared anymore, that kind of stuff. But this, um, this would have been 91 where the 91. tide was starting to change. And yeah. yeah. Um, which happened to all these bands that put out their kind of advanced musical record around this time that, but people were already starting to check out. Um, I, I, you know, White Lion's one of those bands I never really liked, you know, other than Vito Brada, who's one of the greatest guitar players of all time. He, uh, Eddie Van Halen and Jimi Hendrix. I mean, the guy was nuts. effortless player. But yeah, yeah, I could never get into this guy's voice too much. But but you know, some of those songs were still really good. Uh, and then this is a this is a good one. So let's see. Uh, I marked a little bit here. All right, let's check it out. can't get farther away from weight and uh when yep. children cry honestly like yeah they really exactly. really tried to change which is you know good for them um yep. all right moving on uh obviously you know we're not going to do one of these podcasts without these guys but you know you and i both we hate calling them hair metal i to me they were not they were not part of that scene uh, very cool oh nice i didn't see that that's new um <laughs> yep. Def to me were not part of that scene they were above it they were better than this um, but yes, of course it was that era and it is what it is. Um, you know, the amazing thing is I'm putting together this playlist of all these songs that we decided to include. One of the things that still stands out to me is like this album just sounds so much better than everything else. Like even now it sounds so great. Yep. The production is just stupid. Honestly, it, it was so far ahead of its time and how it sounded and, and what they were doing. It's not even fair. But, um, you know, 
Obviously, this album had all the pop hits, Pour Some Sugar Me, Love Bites, Animal, blah, blah, blah. It was ridiculous. Um, but on the beginning of, of the second side was this epic prog masterpiece, Gods of War, which was just like mind blowing for a young kid at the time to, to hear this. Um, the thing that I loved about this was all the background vocals going on. I mean, there were just yep. there has to be hundreds of layers of background yep. vocals going on. And it's just awesome. So, um, yeah, we'll throw them in here. Why not? Here we go. <laughs> Always my favorite song. Always my off, off that record. Always, I mean, yeah. If, if you sure. only had time to listen to one Hysteria song, I love that tune. For it was sure. like, you know, Reagan era, 1987. We always, we all kind of grew up under this, you know, doom of like, we're we're not going to make it to 20 because there's going to be a nuclear war. Russia's going to bomb us. We're going to bomb them. Right. That was just the whole thinking, right? And here was their socially conscious song about, you know, fighting for the gods of war. You know. Um, and all that and it was just progressive enough where you know i remember having friends in high school who you know be like oh you like death leopard you know it's usually like the kids who liked the cure or prince or you know michael jackson which i loved all that stuff too but it'd be like oh pour some sugar on me and you're like no <laughs> like you're right. trying to impress a girl it's like That's what no, I was no, like, no 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 listen to this gods of war yeah they're talking about like political things and things like that and you know uh, yeah. Do you want to do you want to go out on Friday night? No, no, that's okay. Still right. no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Still no. <laughs> but you know what was cool about uh, for me? I think we've talked about this with these guys, but like every album they've done, even to the to now, has a song or two like this that they throw in with yep. all the other stuff, which was what I always thought was really cool. Um, you know, you had Die Hard, The Hunter, and Billy's Got a Gun off Pyromania. You had uh, White Lightning, even off Adrenalize. Um, yep. Scar off of the album X, which is super poppy record. I mean, there's, there's always been a song or two that they try to do a little bit more. Paper Sun off on Euphoria. I mean, Love you it. know. Love so, yeah, props to them for always keeping that going. That's what I always appreciated about them. Um, and okay. if anybody, uh, if you're watching this and you are a Def Leppard fan, maybe go back and look. Uh, Roy and I did a podcast with yep. Rick Allen from Def Leppard um, a couple about two years ago. And we talked a little bit about that. We talked about them even on, on their Well, it was EP a and, deep, and cuts, uh, deep Cuts yeah. podcast. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, but they definitely had influences, you know, the prog, prog rock 70s influences, which bled into their early stuff, and they've maintained it throughout. Yep. Uh, okay, moving forward, uh, Tesla, Song and Emotion. Well, tying in with Def Leppard, but go ahead. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, um, did you see him on the Hysteria Tour? You were maybe a little younger. I did not, but I did see them on this tour, the um, Psychotic Supper tour. Okay, so I saw I saw them twice, to, at least twice, um, when Tesla opened for Death Leopard, and um, by all accounts, they became great friends from that tour. And I think even uh, Phil Collin maybe produced one of the later Tesla records. A recent still album buddies. called Shock. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Shock. Okay, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, so they're 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 still friends, and I think this song speaks to. Uh, if you don't know what it's about, it's basically all about Steve Clark. It was their tribute to Steve Clark when he passed in '91. Um, it's called "Song and Emotion," and you know these are from guys who were on the road and saw it. You know, um, the lyric is like, you know, you see a man most every day, a lonely man and his guitar. You know, and life is not always what what you think it's going to be when you make it to the big time. But I think they intentionally made this song sound like a, a Steve Clark song. It's yeah. got that bluesy hard rock vibe, you know, that, that sound that Steve had and the way he constructed stuff. Um, 
it's I, this is definitely a progressive rock song to me. It goes in different directions. It takes you on a journey. It's eight and a half minutes long. Um, you know, the double lead guitar kicks in towards the end. This is just a, it's a great record and a great testament to, you know, a guitar player who influenced a ton of people. Yeah. And, and also this album was their, you know, again, for them, uh, their proggiest record, because it does have a lot more styles, a lot more influences. Um, it goes in a, in a, a bunch of different places. There's, we debated about using a different song from this album for the podcast, uh, called freedom slaves, which is also really cool. Um, yeah. What I like when they start to lead into talking about him in the song, and then there's this guitar that comes in that plays like he would have played it if it was a Def Leppard yep. song, that kind of yep. staccato kind of, kind of palm muting sound that Def Leppard is known for. So I thought that was such a cool way to uh, represent him and, and like he's in the song, which is like super cool. So yeah, this is great. Check this out. That's the play. Suddenly the pain slowly fades away. Tatatone and braid. There's a place within his heart. He'll always save the song and emotion. to turn these songs off once they start coming yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, keep, yeah. I'm keep rocking yeah man tesla was awesome their first three albums that's as good a first three albums for 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 your first three albums that a band has ever made i think agreed yeah yep yep and they've maintained you know by all accounts they're still they're just those blue collar guys they're still out there touring and doing their thing and yeah, i think sound, only three is it three of the same members right now though right um mm -hmm. yeah yeah, guitar, Frank, bass, and Brian drums. And, yeah. and Jeff. Oh, sorry, yeah. and singing. The drummer's out. Yeah. Different drummer now, I think. Um, right. Okay, moving on. Uh, yeah, White Snake, uh, Slip the Tongue. So, you know, the previous album, the self-title from '87, was when they broke big. They had been around for years, but that was the one with uh, "Here I Go Again" and "Still the Night." Uh, Still the Night maybe could have uh, could have worked for this podcast easily. A little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Very proggy, very cashmere uh, Led Zeppelin. Um, but everyone knows that song. I wanted to go with this one, Judgment Day. This is the album where uh, Steve Vai took over on lead guitar and uh, just changed the sound just enough. It's very different guitar-wise. They're, they're very specific players, him and John Sykes, and you, they, they can't sound like each other if they tried. Right. So, um, yeah. This song was just always, it's one of the best songs from that whole era to me. It, the, the whole thing yep. about it, the, the way the drums kick in. This is a really underrated album. There's some amazing songs on this album. Sailing Ships is another one that closes it. Oh. Slip of the Tongue, the title track. I mean, there's some real like outrageous songs on here. And the guitar playing from Steve, I, of course, is just, he was at the peak of his powers at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, saw them on this tour with Bad English opening, which was really cool. I remember that concert really nice. well. Uh, that was fun. So, yeah, I'll play a little bit of this one. Um, I'm just going to start at the beginning. I don't think we'll maybe get too far deep into it, but you got to start with the drums in the beginning of this song because that's yeah. what it does. It takes you on a journey. Yeah. It takes you on a journey. Coverdale was such a great singer at the time. The night is gone, the time has come to find a new day as we go, and it promises to stay. To soothe the brave, wasted years, kiss away. 
I mean, it's only a minute, but I'm going to stop it. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. That's Don't such a, such a yeah. good song, man. Really cool. Uh, all right. Always one of my favorites. That and then Sailing Ships, too, from that record. Yes. You're right. Very underrated record. So good. Uh, all right. Well, we love this one. We debated on whether or not to include Queenslike on this podcast because they are considered more of a prog metal band and, and they get a lot of credit in that world. But for some reason, they also live in the hair metal world for some reason. Um, and they're on Hair Nation. That's sort of where I drew the line on this because they're played on that alongside all these other bands, whereas other bands like Fate's Warning and some of these bands that we talk about are not. So I don't know. It's weird, but I can always use an excuse to talk about Queensryche. And uh, this is, <laughs> I mean, if you're a Queensryche fan, Roads to Madness is... Yeah top five song i mean it's one of the greatest songs they ever made and uh it, it predates a lot of these it, this one's from 84 from their oh, yeah. first first this, real uh, full-length record this was definitely their first uh true prog epic you know in 84 nobody was doing stuff like this nine minutes long and you know i'm glad you introed that because I, 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 when you brought up Queen Drag, I'm like, they're not hair metal. They never were. The only time that they ever did anything with the hair and the makeup and stuff was during Rage for Order. And that was more like a gothic vampire. Thing. It was <laughs> yeah. never about looking pretty, you know? But, you're, you know, you're talking, yeah, you're talking to a guy who had QRYK on his license plate for like a decade. I have a, a custom made Operation Mind Crime leather jacket I had made. I've got Rage for Order put on my arm. You know, you, you, I don't need much of an excuse to talk about Queen Jack. Right. Um, and I think, I think because of Silently City, and like you, like you said, a lot of those videos came up in the late 80s when Hair Metal and Headbangers Ball were a thing. So we'll include them in there. Why not? Um, but yeah, definitely when you think about prog metal epics, um, it, it had to have been the first one, I think. I don't think of, I don't think of an epic song. There were prog, the, the term progressive metal hadn't been coined yet in 84. Yeah. They came out in 83. They pretty much sounded like Iron Maiden, Dio, Judas Priest, that kind of classic metal thing. And then they started taking it off in this weird direction that was kind of prog rock like, but they were playing metal music. So at some point that term came around. Right. And I'll yeah. agree, you know, Face Morning and Queen's Reich were kind of the two architects early on, or at least two well-known ones. But this song is is a trip from beginning to end. Um, some people think it's about mental illness. Some people think it's like just descending into the depths of madness. I seem to remember reading that Jeff Tate was doing mushrooms <laughs> when he came up with the concept for the whole song. So I guess I guess it is a descent into madness. Yeah, anyway, so it starts off kind of uh, mellow, uh, you know, clean guitars, that kind of whole thing. And it has this big buildup. And then it, there's a break in the middle and then the ending is like full out, you know, hard rock. Uh, yep. Yeah. This, this one's awesome. And uh, yeah, so always a good, uh, good time to play this. I mean, you don't get better than this. Still four and a half minutes left. Yeah, yeah. Such a master of his of his voice. He knew exactly yeah. what he was doing. This was talk about like Steve Vai and the height of his powers. Jeff Tate in, in this era and leading into the Rage for I mean, it's just nuts. Nobody was doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you had right. Rob Halford doing the super high stuff and Bruce Dickinson, but Jeff just took it in a whole. No, way. but he did it in a in a way that wasn't screechy. It was melodic. Right. 
and yep. uh, and emotional. Emotional, which, which, yeah, yeah, uh, the best. Um, okay, so I think we're getting to maybe three of the more epic uh, songs. Well, I would include Road to Madness. These are the top four. I think that are the most epic ones. Um, I'm a big Winger fan. They get the worst rap out of any of these bands, in my opinion. Um, when uh, I, I liked the first two records, but they were still a little bit. I didn't care for like the pop hits. I thought the other stuff was cooler, but they weren't one of my favorite bands really at the time. Just kind of one of the good ones that I thought were decent. Um, they were in that rat docking era uh, sort of era for me that I like. I like those bands, but didn't love them. Um, but then they put up pull in uh 1993 and blew me away with this album i mean this album is amazing everything on it is awesome and they really took the writing up a notch and they were doing all kind of like these awesome 12 string acoustic stuff with vocal harmonies and it man if there was one album maybe not the one album but let's say if, if there were two or three albums that should have gone still successful even though grunge was happening this should have been one of those albums. It was that good. And this song is amazing. Um, let's see. Where did I target to, to start here a bit? Drunk Air Dog. So it goes, it's the first half. It's very heavy, heavier than they had ever done to this point. And then the second half is all like acoustic. And it's really, it's a, just it's really cool. The transition. goes into this yeah. whole part of the song for like three minutes and it's just tremendous <laughs> Man, that... yeah i thought the same thing like when they came out obviously kip is super pretty and you know and even reb had like the big poofy poodle hair going on but they had the drummer for the dixie dregs man you're just like there's something different these guys aren't just yeah. a hair metal band there's some there's some depth to them and then you found out later that Kip, I think Kip did like, he scores classical, uh, he does classical music Yeah, and stuff. he was nominated for like a Grammy, I think, for like a classical uh, thing that he wrote, yeah. like maybe five, six there, years ago. There, there's definitely a depth to, to his songwriting and that, you're right, it, it came out on this record. That, Down Incognito, that's from this record That too, was the right? hit, yeah. That's the song yeah, that yeah, took yeah. me, I was like, wait, they're writing something really different. Yeah. And so this I checked out the album yeah. and I was just mind blown from this record. I, you know, and then they went away. He did a bunch of solo records, which, by the way, amazing solo records. Um, yeah, and then when Ringer came back, I want to say maybe 10 years later or something like that, mid-2000s, they've put out three or four albums since then, like a second phase of the band that have been awesome and very proggy, mind you. They've, they've really they stopped writing the cheesy songs. There's some on there, but more of it, it's like, it's like this, which right. has been really cool. So... If uh, you're if you never wanted to dive into Winger, I this is a band that if you like prog metal, honestly, it's you'd like a lot of them, a lot, the newer That's stuff true. especially. Um, if just seventeen, it's like it it doesn't make any sense in their catalog at right. all. <laughs> um, but it but it probably pays the bills, right? So yeah, you know, there you go. It afforded them the chance to for, it afforded him the chance to to make classical music. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Guns N' Roses estranged. Um, you know, you could have gone November Rain or this one, I think, because they're two massive epics. But and November Rain is obviously the big hit. I opted for this one. Uh, 
I think it's actually a better song, but also I'm sort of sick of November and I, I never want to hear that song again in my life. Absolutely. So never, you know, yeah. I'll let you talk about this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in 91, I certainly wouldn't have considered this progressive. I, I just thought it was kind of Axel being Elton John, you know, or, or Queen kind of being self-indulgent because he's now this rich rock star who can do whatever he wants. Um, but certainly listening back, to, I hadn't listened to it. You put it on the list. I had not listened to a strange in a long this is a frog rock song for sure um heavy song um do you remember the video the music video i watched it well uh, i rewatched it while i was ago. while i was looking at this event yeah it's it's weird <laughs> it's got the dolphins and the special effects and stuff do you know how much money that video cost oh do tell four wow. million dollars amazing can you imagine a music video in 2023 costing four million dollars you're lucky if it costs kind of... four thousand dollars now <laughs> making them on our iphone yeah um yeah i mean they, they still i saw i was at the power trip music festival a couple weeks ago and, and guns N' roses was part of it um as a band as a whole band they sound really good they still sound like guns N' roses axel's voice is what it is um you know and unfortunately that's happening for a lot of singers from that yeah. era you you're you're you doom yourself when you write a song at 23 years old with all these super screechy yeah high notes right and then when you're 60 it's, you know it's hard to it's hard to maintain um, but estranged was kind of the, the sweet spot for him since it's it, a lot of it's in that lower register. His lower register still sounds like Axel. He's got that, you know, that kind of gra gravelly thing yeah. going on. But, um, yeah, I mean, anything that, that, uh, anything they lacked in maybe Axel's vocal abilities, they made up for in quantity. They played for three and a half stinking hours. <laughs> it was, it was 104 degrees in the desert and they just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I agree. Um, I would pick this song any day over November rain. Yeah. Yeah. I really cool. Really cool venture into Prague. Yeah. And there's yep. a lot of cool parts in it. I, it. It goes a lot of different places. I just picked one part that I think is, is kind of cool, but I mean, you could pick a number of places in this one and just. good of a song that is yeah i did too absolutely i'm glad you put it on there yeah um so really for me this whole podcast is an excuse to just get to this record <laughs> <laughs> kind of true uh i mean this is th this album makes this album can make me cry sometimes it's so it's so good and so underappreciated underrated i mean it's it's just one of the greatest albums in my opinion ever made and the uh the the third part of it um so if anybody's not familiar this was extremes uh third record and uh they decided to go all kind of epic and they called it uh and there were three sides to it uh, yours mine and the truth the the and they split the album into that uh so the first six songs uh were sort of the heavier more traditional th them being kind of rockers this the middle section was more a bit more diverse kind of queen acoustic-y kind of stuff like that 
And then the last three song is a super prog suite, uh, three tracks that totals uh, 21, almost 22 minutes. They split up into three tracks. And um, it's at is 100% prog in every way possible. Um, and it's just the best thing. And the mega disappointment for me was after this, they followed this album up with Waiting for the Punchline, which was such a gut punch because it's just possibly one of the worst albums ever made. Apologies <laughs> to anybody that likes it or if you like it. But coming off of Porno Graffiti, which is amazing, and then they, they took it up a notch to this, which is unbelievable. And then the, and after that, it, it was really just so bad. We were all so – I was devastated. It was so terrible. Um, but anyway, but Mike Mangini was on the Waiting for the Punchline tour, which I spoke about in our other podcast, and that's where I saw him. And so at least that came out of that. But, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, I mean, what's to say about this album? It's, it's just, let's get to playing some of this. I didn't know where to pick. Um, so I'm just going to play like the last two minutes, which is just epic glory. And, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll just go through that. You have anything you want to say about this one? Was this an album you liked a lot? No, or? It's funny, man. I definitely slept on this record. Um, I love pornography. Love that record. I thought it was very, um, innovative as far as that style at the time. But I think when this came out, I, I listened to it and I, I was so confused. <laughs> I didn't know what I was listening to. I think to a lot of people were like that. Yeah, it was yeah. it was different. So than different. Yeah. You know, and I think I think this is a band that gets underestimated a lot, mainly because of more than words. You know, everybody knows, oh, they're that, that band with that cute little ballad and everything. But between those two guys, it's, it's all about Gary and Nuno, man. I mean, Nuno is basically a singer in his own right, you know, lead singer. But the way that those guys do their, their harmonies together, they're great songwriters. I went back and listened to this record. Now I need to go back and or listen to this song. I need to go back and listen to the whole record uh, based on everything you're saying here. But I love the orchestration, the way it builds, the whole Beatles-y kind of vibe to it. But yeah, um, you've, you've incur if nothing else, if no other viewers go back and listen to Three Sides, I'm going to. because yeah. I, I had the guitar the book. Time. I had the guitar book for this one. I, was, <laughs> I, I learned this one inside and out. And I had this, I had the, this album cover as a poster on my wall. I mean, wow. it, I'm not kidding. There was a, there was a real strong three sides period for me and wow. uh, saw them, saw them on tour for this record with who opening. Do you remember? Oh, uh, Saigon kick. That's right. No, was it? Yeah, yeah it was. Yes, I yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Our good friends. Which, I, saw, I saw the tour too. Yeah, yeah. I almost included Saigon kick in this, but. While they were eclectic, they I don't think they ever got real proggy enough no, for something that included here. As much as you and I want them to be, and certainly Jason Beeler's stuff is. The new soul the stuff may be a little bit more, yeah. But um, yeah. But yeah. So uh, anyway, I think I've uh, uh, drooled over enough about this record. But let's go ahead. And <laughs> I mean, this ending is just ridiculous.
explore a little bit. I made Kiko's on a little bit, but so good. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, the world the world wasn't ready for this record. No, it was it was this it was, was out of its time for sure. This was literally Nirvana was out during the time this album came out. Yeah, yeah. You can no, tell just listen, just listen to that. Like there's they they crafted this man. They spent their they they took their time in, in building this whole yeah. thing. No, it's uh, it's tremendous. There was I I wish I had it because at the time this was ninety two, and there was a I remember this. There was a Guitar World magazine, Guitar World Guitar Player, one of those magazines that had this them on the cover, and it was ranking like the albums of the year, and it had this as the album of the year, above other stuff like Nirvana, uh, Pearl Jam, wow. things like that. I remember that specifically. And then, uh, of course, uh, we all know how that turned out. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this album really didn't was go their way. A commercial disaster, and uh, yeah. you know, them. I mean, this was their third album. They just put out their sixth album. Like, I mean, it's been years. It's been a long time. After, yeah, forty years. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, a new album six has some pretty good stuff. It's it's maybe their it's yeah. their best album since this one. For sure. Yeah, I don't agree. love everything on yeah. it, but easily their best album since this than this one. So worth checking out. And his solo on on that song Rise is it's one of the all time guitar solos at this yeah. point. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. Who else did we maybe uh, forget to include? I don't know. I, I feel like I mean we didn't some big names we didn't include, but they never really got to that point of progginess that I think fit. Right. Like uh, Motley Crue. Rat, Cinderella, Dokken, all bands I like, but I don't think they, right. that musically they never reached in, into the deepness category. Right. There was, there was no progressive uh, poison song. Yeah. <laughs> poison, another one. Another, no. But, but, but like, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what kind of, if people want to put comments in here, you know, what do you guys, what, what would you guys have put on this list? Because yeah. there's, I'm sure there's songs that, that Roy and I have not thought of. And, you know, we look forward to your, your angry cards and letters because there's going to be some people that say, well, you didn't include this band or why did you include that band? You know, everybody's got their definition of what makes something progressive or what makes it truly hair metal, you know? So yeah. We all yeah, have our it's opinions. Really, this but, is very uh, subjective, um, I think, yeah. but uh, a lot of fun. It's music that is near and dear to our hearts and, uh, and that we still like. And so it's fun to be able to revisit for an hour. And uh, yep. and have a little fun. Thank you, uh, Kyle, for joining me on this and uh, letting me bug you for months and months till we finally made this happen. This is great. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. This is awesome. Uh, all right, guys. So um, if uh, again, like Kyle said, uh, let us know what you liked, didn't like. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, this one, I think, is just going to be on our YouTube, not on our uh, audio podcast. And uh, and uh, progreport.com, follow us on all the socials, and uh, make sure you catch up on some previous episodes. We did a live stream on Mike Portnoy coming back to Dream Theater that's been generating a lot of uh, a lot of views, and of course, the Wheel of Prog episodes and everything else going on. And our best of the year episode will be out uh, later towards uh, December. And uh, we'll see you all uh, soon. Bye bye. See you guys. Hey, thanks for watching. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all our socials and on progreport.com for all your news, interviews, reviews, and more. And we'll see you again real soon.